Oh, snap. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. I apologize for being a couple minutes late when I set this up. Apparently, I set it up for 10 p.m. instead of 10 a.m., but I think we're broadcasting live now. As some of you know, and if you don't know me, I am a sales coach and trainer, and I founded the Sales Pro Network to do two things. One, to elevate the profession of sales, and two, to help you make more money. And right now, we're streaming live to both Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Woohoo! Progress for the Sales Pro Network. Uh, as you know, the Sales Pro Network is a place you can come and get advice and coaching. You can share your successes and challenges. And every Friday at 10 a.m., we either do a live training or we bring in a guest who can positively, absolutely help the profession of sales. And once again, today is no exception. It's my true pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Sierra Lueck. Good morning, Sierra. Good morning. Excited so, to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, Sierra, you, you often start out your uh, your lives with a song. Would you like to say, <laughs> I'm not going to make you sing anything today. Uh, would you do, do me a favor, though, and tell everybody a bit, little bit about your background, who you are, and what brought you up to uh, what you do now? Uh, yeah, no, there's so many, so many different directions that I could go with that. Um, the biggest thing is, is that I was somebody who undercharged or gave away my value for free for years and years and years. I, for about two decades, I was helping local communities and organizations to get more connected in the community, to build out their business, to build out their organization, to extend their reach. And then about 12 years ago, I jumped into the online world, um, on a website called Cafe Mom, which, um, was before Facebook groups actually even existed. And then now I'm helping people uh, build out communities on Facebook so that they can sell more, they can be in a community that they love, and people actually love to be inside of the community. Wow. So what is it about Facebook that you like so much? What made you choose Facebook as opposed to one of the other social media platforms? Uh, Facebook is actually the number one platform to um, just as far as usability goes. Um, it's very, very, it's got the functionality that strides above any other platform. Um, as far as other platforms that we've looked at out there, because we were on Cafe Mom, I have seen Reddit used to build communities. I've seen Discord used to build communities. And um, there's several others. I think there's even one called Band right now that a bunch of people have been asking about. But Facebook actually has so many things in place to help you out, to help with the algorithm, to give you insights, to, to help actually build and strengthen the community to where you can actually take a step back from the actual work of building the community. Wow. Good morning, Fran, down in Texas. Always good to see you here. Uh, Facebook user, I don't know who you are, but good morning to you too. If you guys would either put your name in or allow uh, Facebook to connect with StreamYard, we'll know who you are when you post. And if you're watching us now or later on in the replay, please do post your name and say hi. Uh, so um, there, there are five group types on Facebook, right? What are the five groups? Yeah, so um, I, I don't know if you're hearing it, but I'm hearing a tiny bit of an echo. So I don't know, I don't know what that's happen like if that's happening for everybody or if it's just for me. But every once in a while, I'll hear a tiny bit of an echo feedback in my in my Got stuff. It. I'm not hearing that, but it, would you guys please comment whether you're hearing an echo or not? Okay, cool. Okay, so um, the five Facebook group types for business, there's actually, uh, as I was going and we were building groups online and I'm jumping into all of these groups and maybe you guys have been in some before. Sometimes you jump into a group, it feels kind of spammy. Sometimes you jump into a group and it's pretty dead and not really anybody's saying anything. So you just check out and leave. Sometimes you jump into a group and it's gigantic and you're wondering like, why are people giving so much time and investing so much into these groups that are 20, 30,000, sometimes 400,000 strong, how are they making money from it? So um, I actually did a little bit of research and identified the five different ways that people are actually making five to seven figures a month from their Facebook groups. 
And so the first one is after people. Um, okay. So the first group type is say that you've already sold something to somebody and then you throw them inside of a community. Those are going to be the paying clients only, the people who have paid and bought something from you before. Um, there's a lot of pros and cons. I actually have an entire list on that. And if you guys want the pros and cons list and you want to dive deeper into it, I'm more than happy to send that to you guys for free. Like it's not, it's not a big deal and I'm happy to get that over to you. So I'm not going to run through all of that today because that would just take up all of our time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so there's a paying clients only group. And basically what the member benefit is for that type of group is that they actually get your paid coaching or they get your paid product or something like that. And they get to connect over the product. Um, and those are those groups actually work really well, especially if you have a higher ticket offer that you're selling. And so, um, yeah, that that's essentially where I would use that kind of a community. Um, the second type of community is going to be like an evergreen launch membership. So um, one person that I see utilizing this really, really well, his name is Ray Higdon. He works with the network marketing community um, and he actually does an evergreen launch membership. And so throughout the year, he'll sell he'll sell the membership. So he'll have it open for one week out of the month. And then the rest of the month, you cannot get in. So it builds that scarcity, but then he keeps it going throughout the year. But this is also typically very low ticket to be a part of it. But there, if you create really great value, you could do it higher ticket, but he ends up getting like thousands of people in on this. And so the member benefit of that kind of group is the established trainings that you already have in there. And then they can try small before they're upsold to something bigger. Any questions on those two before we jump to the next one? Well, yeah. What, what would you consider a low ticket offer like the second one and a higher ticket offer like the first one? Okay. So a uh, low ticket offer, um, it, it honestly, it depends on your industry or your niche, but typically a low ticket offer in my words is going to be something um, between the 50, which is super low ticket all the way up to like a few hundred dollars. Um, in my world, that's, that's pretty low ticket. Even 1500 can be pretty low ticket depending on what it is that you're offering. Um, when we talk about higher ticket, we're getting into the 5,000, 10,000, 20, 50, $100,000 range. And I know people who are building offers at all of those prices. So. Wow. I like those numbers. <laughs> yeah, they're good numbers. Um, Oh, dang it. I don't have the I don't have the note card in front of me, but I've been listening to Earl Nightingale and he talks about um, the the money that you're paid is in direct proportion to the service that you provide. 100 percent. OK, so uh, the fourth type of I'm sorry, the third we were on number three, the third type of group is going to be like a pop up for course launch. And you'll see a lot of the gurus using something like this. Uh, Tony Robbins is notorious for partnering with people and doing groups like this. Um, essentially, what they do is they have some kind of a challenge. They launch it for about like a week or a month or something like that. And there's all this hype around the launch. And then and then a few weeks later, the group kind of dies down and maybe they use the same group for another launch or they build out a new group. But essentially, they're just using it to run a challenge and actually have a course launch. Um, the member benefit is going to be whatever kind of freebies that they get from the challenge. And then you're hoping that they're going to buy your product at the end of the challenge. Hmm. If you are really good at it, they will. If you are not really good at it, then you just spend a lot of time and effort for nothing. So it's like, it's one of those things where you want to make sure that you know what you're doing whenever you're building out that group. Kind of um, like sales in general. I mean, you know, you, you, could, you could put in a lot of time and effort and get nothing for it. But people who know what they're doing tend to profit because they're investing their time and effort wisely. Yes, absolutely. 
So the fourth one is group as a part of a funnel. And um, some of my um, competitors are, they're, they're actually training a lot of people on this. They've already got their business, I think up to five or $600,000 months. And basically they're teaching people how to have a high ticket offer, how to offer it with a group as part of a funnel. So the group is essentially the webinar platform and they teach them about pixeling and email lists and automations and all of that kind of stuff. And so th that's, that's also a really great way to earn money from a group, but the member benefit is going to be buying the service or products. So they don't really get any benefit from being a part of the community at all. And um, the last group, the last group type is going to be the free community, which is the one that I, I work with my clients on. And the benefits of a free community is that people can come in, they can get a feel for who you are, it can build up that no like and trust factor. And you're giving a little bit of value. I, um, I know you guys probably have heard of one to one or one to many. Russell Brunson has made that term like really popular recently. But the idea is that when you go to any other platform, whether it's a Facebook profile, a Facebook page, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, it's the audience connecting with you individually. But when you're in a free community that's an actual community that's built up and it's got a really great culture, people connect with you but they can come into your community, connect over your brands, connect over your product, and you don't even have to be a part of it for them to connect. So essentially they come in there because of you as the leader, because of your brand, because of your offer, they come in there and connect with each other over it. And now they're always gonna remember where they made those connections. And of these five types, is one better than the other or is it that each one just serves a certain purpose? Um, each one serves a certain purpose. I mean, obviously you can have a free community and you can also have, you can also have like a client only community. You could also have launch communities as well. The one that is going to be kind of a, it's not really a one size fits all. We, we tailor it for each niche. We tailor it for each individual, but in the free community, it's actually something that any business could do. Um, I've helped people I've helped people um, who were building out a local community to build a community, and it's been amazing for local communities. And then I've also helped out people like cattle ranchers and 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 then um, like fitness coaches. And I've helped. Uh, I'm just, sorry, just trying to think of everybody like um, real estate. I, I've got a client now who's um, working in real estate and does wholesaling. I've got another client who um, he specifically helps general contractors in the construction industry. Um, actually, I've got two construction clients right now. And so, I mean, it's like anybody can have a free group. There's more than 620 million groups on Facebook. It's insane. Wow. wow. Good morning, Noel Goldfarb. Uh, good morning, Keith McCartney. And good morning, Steve Kent. I'll bet your ears just picked up because I know Steve is in real estate and uh, maybe maybe it's time for him to uh, put together a group. Did I hear you say that some of your competitors are earning five to $600,000 per month off a of Facebook group? Well, Yes and no. <laughs> so they're they're running ads. So at the same time, at the same time that they're earning five to six hundred per month off of their Facebook group, they're also spending a lot in ads to get them there. Everything that I work with on my clients is all organic. And then I've also I've brought in a couple of guest speakers to teach about ads in case somebody wanted to boost it with ads. But when you're building out your group really, really well and you're doing it organically in the way of building that high high culture. People love to be there. People want to share about it because it's so exciting. It's like, um, I call it kind of the car crash effect. Um, you know, you're driving down the road 
and you see a car crash, it's really, really interesting. It's really intriguing. It doesn't matter who you are. You slow down and traffic slows down on both sides of the road because everyone wants to find out what's going on. <laughs> I'm actually the guy who's honking my horn behind you, calling you an idiot for slowing down to look at somebody else's misery. But that's just me. But I know that's not most people. First, one of my pet peeves is traffic. I just hate it. So I am the guy screaming in my car and beating on the steering wheel and going, just drive. It's an accident. Um, now, now, let's move on from me. Um, uh, you, talk about, you talk about a difference between concert and culture or concert versus culture in creating a community. What, what does that mean? Yeah, so um, I kind of mentioned culture a little bit already, just talking about building up a culture inside of the group. And I can dive a little bit deeper on that if you'd like. But um, whenever you go to a concert, and this is what most groups are like, including the webinar platform, including including some of the client-only groups. And by the way, um, one of the client-only groups that I know is making um, between five to 600000 on upsells every single month. And so um, client-only groups can be great too if you have that higher ticket offer that's the core offer and then you have a really great upsell. Um, even if you don't, and it's not your goal to make a few million dollars a year, and it's your goal to just hit, you know, 200,000 a year or something like that, and you have a lower ticket offer, the upsell is going to be one of your best bets for upselling people from your free group to your client-only group, and then client-only group to some kind of higher tier. Um, but that being said, when you go to a concert, when you go to a concert, and I, I love this analogy because so many of us have been to some kind of a concert before or some kind of a show, what's happening is you come into the theater, you sit down in your seat, and you're sitting there watching the person perform. And so as you're watching the person perform up on stage, you're sitting there connecting with them. Maybe you're saying something, maybe you're not. And you'll come into a lot of different groups where all you see is the admin posting. And you don't really get to connect with the other audience members. The lights are turned down low. They, there's just not a lot going on from the other audience. And you're just getting the opportunity to listen to them. And it's like they're on a podium, you know, and they're, they're sitting there shouting out. And that's what happens in a lot of groups is that it's just mainly the admin. The admin's getting engagement and not the people that are there um, to enjoy the show. But you're enjoying the show, but it's still it's a concert and you're not getting that community effect. So what happens when you leave? You go home, you tell people about it maybe, you talk about it a little bit, and eventually the energy kind of dies down. That happens a lot in those launch groups because there's not really any community being built. What's happening is people are getting hyped up about the one thing that the guru is talking about or the talking head or the admin or whoever's in charge. They're getting really hyped up about that, but then they leave afterwards and it's kind of a lackluster feeling because now... Now they're not part of that hype anymore. The hype goes away. It's kind of like when you eat sugar or when you have carbs, like you get that immediate energy burst and then you have this super huge crash afterwards. So in a, when you're building out a culture, we think of it kind of like being in the city. So you go into the city and you'll notice um, like after groups get really big, what we start looking at is subcultures. And so when you go into a city, you're going to see like the mayor of the city is going to build parks because some people like going to parks. The mayor of the city is going to build, build museums and libraries and lots of different activities, maybe bring in movie theaters. Um, sometimes like recently we were in Nashville and one of the things that you saw is on the side of a building, they actually have, um, they have Dolly Parton painted in different areas, like big murals and paintings because they want to draw attention to Dolly Parton and get her to come to the city and then draw people who like her to the city. So they're trying to attract a certain audience to the city. And you'll see that in different areas. They will build things specifically to attract a specific market. And you'll see that inside of a city. You have the subcultures. The same thing happens inside of a group that has a really great culture. You have these subcultures that start popping up. Hmm. 
So if you're really looking to grow a group, it's, it should not be all about the, the performer or the admin, right? It should be about engaging the entire audience so that they're not just dealing with the admin, be it he or she. It, it, they, you want people to engage with each other? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's actually one of the very first things when I do a, an audit and I jump on a first call with somebody, that's one of the very first things that we look for. We jump into their group and we look to see like what kind of engagement are member posts getting, if they even allow member posts, because some people don't because they think they're not supposed to. Hmm. Got it. Um, okay. Do you mind if we pause for a second? Not at all. I just see, I see a lot of people who are jumping on here. There's still a couple of people who are Facebook user. So make sure you guys log into StreamYard and get your name set up on there so we can see who you are. And um, also too, if you guys have any questions along the way, feel free to ask. I love answering live questions from people who are jumping on and listening. Perfect. Thank you. Um, now you wrote a book called Not a Sales Book. Uh, and in it, you say, and I believe you, it's for free, right? Or do you, do you, no, you sell it on, on uh, Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. And if you guys want a PDF copy, I'm more than happy to get that to you. Oh, how nice. That's a, that's a really nice offer. But uh, I've read the book. And in the book, you say selling does not work, which as a sales coach and trainer, I'm having a, st a struggle with. You also say it never has and it never will. Can you go a little bit deeper into what does that mean? Um, so it's it's more on the side of it's more on the side of when you're trying to sell somebody on something and they they don't really want it. And so you you go in here and you're you're sitting here trying to convince somebody. It's more on the idea of convincing. So a lot of people are in sales and they're trying to convince people as opposed to actually just having a conversation, finding out what people really want. Once they find out what people really want, if they have the ability to help them with that, then you offer them. And that's closing. That's not selling because you're just helping close the call. Um, but it, you know, I'll see a lot of salespeople out there who just really want to make their next sale, make that money. And, and guys, I'm just going to be completely honest. Nobody's in selling because they just are greedy for money. You guys have big missions and purposes, whether it's your family or it's, you know, you have these goals to be able to help out your community or whatever. We're not altruistic, but at the end of the day, money serves a great purpose in our life. And that's why we got into selling in the first place. And, the idea behind it is that when you are going into a sales call and you need to make the sale, you come at it from the wrong perspective where you find out what they need. And then you try to, you try to fit a square peg in a round hole to make your offer what they need when sometimes your offer isn't what they need. So every time I jump onto a sales call with somebody um, or what people would consider a sales call for me, it's, it's either a closing call or it's, I'm just, pointing them in the right direction and giving value into their life. Mm, got it. So Steve Ken says a person who does not need something will not buy from you. And truer words were never spoken. And now that you've explained, that's really your, your philosophy is really right in line with mine. Any of you guys who've been coached by me or heard me do any training know that I believe that sales is not about convincing or persuading or talking people into things. It's simply a conversation or a series of conversations leading to help the other person choose to do business with you. And, I really like Zig Ziglar's philosophy that selling is serving. It's really about serving others. And I like what you said, uh, Tiara. It's not about being altruistic. Look, I love what I do, and I truly love helping people. I also love getting paid for helping people because I've got a family and things to take care of, too. But it's that come from deep inside your gut where it's how can I truly serve you? How can I truly help you? It, that's what you're talking about when you say selling doesn't really work. Yes. 
Makes well, much more sense. Perfect. And then too, at the end of the day, it's um, if you're jumping on a call with so many people who you can't actually help, you have to come back and look at your marketing. And so it's not just about like, if you market really, really well, sales becomes easy and closing becomes easy. And if you market in the right ways, and I, I well, I don't want to say right or wrong. There's so many different ways to market, but if you find the way that works for you and you do it really well, and you've nurtured your audience, which is what a free Facebook community is great for. But if you've nurtured them really well, by the time you get to the call, you're not jumping on calls with unqualified people. People will often um, self-select and not even jump on the call with you if they're unqualified. That's a real time saver because you don't want to waste time with people who aren't interested in what you've got. You want to invest your time wisely. And I hope I don't mispronounce your name. Kurt von Annen or Kurt von Annen says, find a need, fill a need. Too many salespeople act as if the world is a customer. The great ones find their tribe to sell to. I think that's right in line with what you're saying. Yes? Absolutely. Well Absolutely. done, Kurt. So um, I know that you deal with uh, a lot of entrepreneurs. And I think sales is a very entrepreneurial uh, uh, gig. Um, what is entrepreneur brain? Ah, <laughs> okay. So one of the biggest things that I see a lot of entrepreneurs have is um, we all have ideas. We're very good at creating ideas where we're very good at creating vision. And um, one of the biggest things I see, and it actually ends up being like a detriment if, if entrepreneurs are not good at decisions, um, making decisions. One of the biggest things I'll see is that we have so many ideas, we don't know which one to pick. And so um, I, I actually, I created a post, I haven't posted it yet, but um, it's about like, you know, we talk about throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Um, you have so many ideas and you're just trying to try one, try another, try another, but because you're trying so many ideas at one time, you never even give one the chance to see if it'll actually work. And I, I shared about this inside of a private client only group um, last year during the summer at some point. But inside of that group, one of the things that I was noticing is people were giving up after two or three weeks. And I was like, a month is not even enough time to really try something. Like if you really want to test it out and try it with the market, it's going to take a little bit of time to build it up. And so it needs to be longer than a month. It needs to be longer than two months. Like a quarter would be a good amount of time to try something out. And if it doesn't work after a quarter, then cool, jump to the next idea. But like actually give it a real chance, give it a real go. Yeah, uh, too many people uh, have shiny object syndrome. When I'm trying this, oh, there's the next good thing. And it does take time. And of course you have to be testing everything and measuring it to see what's getting a good result. Because my experience is quite often, we go with our gut, what, you know, what we feel is right, anecdotal evidence or gut instinct or whatever you want to call it. And uh, metrics are really what counts. And I know you're very big on metrics, aren't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my husband says all the time, it's one of my favorite quotes and I don't, I don't even remember where he got it from, but it's uh, performance measured is performance improved. Love that. Um, you talk about three different types of buyers. What, what are, what are the three types of buyers? Yeah. So, um, let me, let me ask you guys this. Have you guys ever, have you ever jumped onto a call with somebody and they were hesitant or they said, you know, Hey, I need to talk to my spouse or, you know, Oh, that's a lot of money. Or, you know, I'm just not sure if this is the right fit for me right now. Um, I'm sure you have, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see if there's any comments of this, but <laughs> it's yeah, one of those things. For me. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the first 15% of the market is going to be the people who are actually ready to buy right away. 
Um, and that's going to be the, so these are the three buyer types. The first one is the 15%. 15% of the market are ready to buy right away, whether they're buying from you or they're buying from somebody else. So let me make this really clear. If you talk to hundred people, 15 of them are ready to buy right away. That does not mean that they are buying from you. If you are not top of mind, they will not be buying from you. They'll buy from the other person that they trust more. But that being said, 15% of the market is like, I like, this is so painful. I need to solve this right away. Whether I'm buying a book, I'm buying a program, I'm going to Google and researching it. I'm going to YouTube or I'm getting a coach or whatever the case may be. I'm going to solve this right now. And so that's 15% of the market. Most groups, including the one that we talked about where they're making five or 600,000, that group is geared towards that 15%. Most groups are geared towards that 15%, the people who are ready to buy right now, which is why sometimes you'll jump into a group and it feels a little spammy. Um, the second piece of the market is going to be 61%, which is a huge, massive chunk of the market. And that 61% are the people who are, you know, when you get to the tie downs or whatever in your sales call, it's the people who are hesitant. It's the people who are, you know, saying that, you know, I just need a little bit of time to think about it. I just need to do a little bit more research, you know, or do you have, do you have a website I can look at? Do you have some testimonials? Can I talk to somebody else? Um, those are the 61% of the market. Those are the people who just want to do a little bit more research. They like research and development. They like making good decisions. Maybe they have a little bit of debt. Maybe they just don't have a whole lot of money and they want to make sure they're spending it wisely, but they're, they're being really judicious with their decisions. Okay. So it's, not that they're not going, it's not that they're not going to buy. It's just that they're not fully, they're not quite ready to make a decision yet. Yeah, they're not ready to make a decision on the call and they just need a little bit more time. Sometimes that can be days. Sometimes it can be weeks. Sometimes it can be a few months. But the idea is that they do want to buy. They just want to take a little bit more time to do research. Okay, that's 61% yeah. of the market. Before, before we get to the third group, I, I actually think that's reasonable. Uh, like every salesperson, I want every deal to close on the first call in the first minute. In fact, I don't even want to have the conversation. I just want people to go, hey, Jeff, don't even talk. Let me just send you a check. But that's not the way it works in the real world, especially if you're offering a high ticket offer, like as a sales coach or a trainer, you know, I don't work for free. I, I, I charge, uh, I give great value for what I charge, but it's not cheap. Uh, and I don't think anybody who's looking for my services is looking for cheapest anyways. But, but I think that when you give somebody a number, like, like let's say a consulting engagement for $150,000, I think it's reasonable for somebody to go, you know what? I need to ponder this for a few seconds. I, 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 I don't make $150,000 decisions. Uh, I mean, like I don't make $150,000 decisions off the top of my head. A $100 decision, I can make that in an instant, but $5,000, $10,000, I, I want a couple of moments to think about that. So I think it's reasonable, don't you? Uh, well, again, it just depends. It depends on where the person is at. And, and it is reasonable for that 61% of the market. Um, you're going to have people like when you started talking about people not making really quick decisions on $150,000 um, and needing time to think about it. Um, it just depends on what the service is. It depends on how well they know the person, how well they've been nurtured. Have they already been nurtured? Do they already know the quality of the person's work? All of that before they ever even start the conversation. I have a friend who actually sold a um, it's, it was a multiple five ticket offer. I think it might've been, um, one of her 20 or $30,000 offers and she sold it via text message on Facebook messenger. And it was like a 10 to 15 minute conversation. And it's because the person that she was talking to knew her, knew her work, but they also, um, they're very high level. They're a multimillionaire and they don't have time to waste jumping on an hour long call. So they need to be able to make those quick decisions. But the only reason that 
that she would have been able to sell on that is because she had already built that rapport. She had already established herself with that person in other ways before. So like networking, um, I talk about this a little bit in the not a sales book, but networking is going to be one of the biggest things that you do for your company. If you know what you're doing and you do it well, not wasting time necessarily, just going out there and meeting every random person, but actually strategically making alliances, making partnerships, collaborations, different things like that. When you're strategic about it and doing it for your niche, you're, you're going to have more success whenever it comes to those sales calls or so, text so, messages. Got it. So, so that it's, it's really relative then because I don't have $20 million sitting in the bank. I don't make $100,000 decisions off the top of my head, but I can make a $1,000 decision. And it sounds like the person that you're talking about was in that 15%. Yes. Absolutely. Um, definitely. They were, it was something, well, once you get to a certain place in your business, you get to the point of being able to make those quick decisions. And when you decide, like there are certain times where I decide, like I decided I'm doing ads this month and I'm talking to several people who do ads and I like, I'm just going to make a decision. I'm just going to be like, cool, we're going to go with this person and let's go pay them and let's go. But um, there was a time when I couldn't do that. <laughs> and definitely once you built up the kind of money pot, you're able to make those decisions a little more quickly. And when you also know your numbers really well and you do your budget and you know what your budget is for something, it's really easy to make those decisions. A lot of the people who need more time to research, they haven't figured out their budget. They don't know how much they have to spend or they're wanting to jump into something and don't realize what the next level is gonna take. And so they're a little hesitant, um, that's okay. That's okay. That's just where they're at. And we help them in whatever way that they need help so that we can help them achieve that result. But at the end of the day, we can't want their result more for them than they want it for themselves. Well, that makes a lot of sense. There's something I want to come back to. But first, what's that third group, the other 24 percent? Yeah. So, OK, the last 24 percent is going to be the people who are up to their eyeballs in debt. And they say they say things like, um, I'm never going to buy. And um, the beautiful thing about it is, is that if you've nurtured them really, really well, and they're inside of a community where they're staying in the community because of the people that they've met, because of the value that they're getting, um, that they actually will eventually buy. It might take them a lot longer, but they will eventually buy. And that's, um, that's going back to, that ties in back to where we were talking about, you know, when you're testing an idea, like the whole entrepreneur brain thing, don't keep switching up your offer all the time. Don't keep switching up what you're selling people all the time. Because if you're doing that, then people start, it's like the boy who cried wolf, where you're like, I have this offer. And then that offer is gone. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe he doesn't have it anymore. Maybe he's doing something new. And then it's like, I have this offer. And then that offer is gone. By the time you get to the next offer, they're going to be really hesitant because you're constantly switching things. And they don't know if you're still going to be around a few months down the road whenever, you know, maybe they're needing help because they purchased the offer, if that makes sense. So you might be turning off prospective clients just by not giving it enough time. Absolutely. Got it. Guys, if you have any questions for Sierra, please put them in the comments. I think she loves answering questions. And here's another one for you. Um, you, talk, you mentioned this briefly before, and I know it's in your book. You talk about the no like, and trust factor. Can you talk a little bit about that and how important that is in selling, whether online or anyplace else? Um, absolutely. So one of the biggest things that we do when it comes to Facebook, because I, I give a lot of advice for Facebook profiles, Facebook pages, Facebook groups, and we, we use each one of them differently. But one of the biggest things we do on social media is we humanize our brand. 
And the reason that we humanize it is because people at the end of the day, they don't just buy for results because there's going to be other people who can help them get the same result with some other different offer. And there's going to be hundreds of offers that they can choose from at any given moment. Maybe there's two or three that they're looking at and they're shopping around trying to make that decision. At the end of the day, they're going to go with the person they like the most. And people don't buy things or buy products necessarily. People buy from people. It's just like whenever you choose to go to a restaurant, like we have uh, one of our newest favorite restaurants. It is not the nicest food. It tastes good and it's, it's solid quality. We go there, but it's not like the nicest restaurant in the world. But when we go there, there's this one server. I think we're actually going to go there twice this week because he wasn't working the other day when we went and we want to go sit down with this one server because of the quality of service he gives us is strides above any of the fine dining restaurants we've ever been to. It's phenomenal. And so um, that's one of the biggest things when you're on social media, people come there to be social and to build relationships. And if you're not having that way for people to connect with you and you're not personalizing your brand at all, and it's just business all the time, um, people aren't going to have that connection and they're not going to build that no like and trust factor. And, right. and just on a side note, in case people don't know, um, no like and trust, those are awareness stages for your market. So first they have to know who you are. Then they have to then they have to like you and uh, actually resonate with you. And just at the end of the day, some people are not going to resonate with you. I actually have a story about it if you'd like to hear it. Sure. Um, so three years ago, I was helping somebody build a community and it was a local women entrepreneurs community. And she she was needing coaching more so than just for the community and more so than just for her business. She was needing like personal life coaching a little bit too. So I was giving her some information. And one time I did an exercise with her and she's like, Oh my God, that's so good. Sierra, you are so brilliant. And I was like, that's just a Tony Robbins thing. Like I, but she was like, Oh, you know, I just don't really like that guy. And it was just one of those things where I said the exact same thing that Tony Robbins said, but she couldn't receive it from him. She could only receive it from me and from my voice. And so at the end of the day, some people are just not going to resonate with you. Some people are only going to resonate with you and not with other people. And so your voice is extremely important. And who you are is extremely important because there's people out there that won't receive from Tony Robbins or Dean Graziosi or, you know, even Jim Rohn, who's now passed away, but he was amazing. They won't receive from his voice. But if you come out there with that same message, they'll hear it from you. Got it. So we've got a question for you. And uh, a Facebook user whose name we don't know says, how do you resonate with someone using social media? Um, so I just uh, one of the things that I get a lot from a lot of people is um, that I, I'm very authentic and I show up as myself. Um, I'm very open. Most of the time I show up as myself. I don't I don't complain a lot online. I don't bring a lot of negativity online. If I'm talking about anything that's negative, I talk about the the lesson learned from it or the positive thing that came out of it, because at the end of the day, the negativity that we go through is for a reason. The struggle and um, there's a book out there. I haven't read it yet, guys. So, you know, don't don't take my word to go out and read it. But the idea and the concept behind it is really good. And it's the obstacle is the way the struggle is the way to grow faster. So if you are actually wanting to scale faster this year or grow faster this year, going through obstacles and going through struggles is going to be one of the biggest things that you do to overcome that. And I'm actually, um, I'm going through a lot of struggles right now on the internal side of my business. You're not going to see that on my social media. You're not going to see just me talking about the struggles. You're going to see as I'm going through the struggles and I'm finding the wins, that's when you'll see me talking about the struggles 
And you'll see a, like there's actually a couple different pieces of content. I think I'm going to share another one later on today. Um, but there's multiple times that I've gone through struggles. And just so you guys are aware of what that looks like, I'm a mom of five. My husband has been in the military for eight years, and that has been our solid income. I just launched my business last year. And um, we've hit over... Um, we're almost in the multi six figure range. I'm, I'm hoping to hit that by the end of the month um, so that we can be able to say we hit more than 200K in our first year. But, um, but that being said, last year, when it, right before I launched my business, like two months before I launched my business and took on my first client, my son was in the hospital. He's 12 years old. He was in the hospital um, with a brain tumor getting brain surgery. And so, and that's not even, that's not even all of it. There's like a whole big story along with that, where he went through depression. He had, he had second and third degree burns because when he had a seizure, he ended up picking up a hot pan and he had four skin graft surgeries. There's so many things that went along with that. One of my other kids ended up needing to get a dental surgery because he had febrile seizures and his teeth didn't grow in well. All of that happened within one year. And then my, my, uh, my husband actually had knee surgery in January, but at the end of the day, those struggles make me stronger. Those struggles give me the opportunity to help somebody else who's going through something that's really tough. Those struggles give us a give us a chance to actually to grow and to nurture our audience and to connect with them on a deeper level. And because I shared about my story, there were people who came to me and said, hey, I'm going through this. What did you do when this happened? And I was able to help them with that. And so it's it's your opportunity to give value back to the world. Got it. Steve Kent says he hopes your son is OK, is he? Absolutely. He is. Um, he's been seizure free for a year now. Um, the brain surgery worked really, really well. And he has had no seizures. This was the first year we celebrated his birthday in April. And this was the first year since all of this happened that he was able to just have normal kid problems where he was complaining about not getting to play video games enough or not getting to go outside with his friends or whatever the case may be. Normal first world kid problems. It was amazing. And I'm guessing that as a mom, that's heaven for you. Yes. Um, it, it is really wonderful. It is, it is a really big deal. At the end of the day, though, my kids are one of the biggest reasons why I started pursuing my business. Because I, like I said, at the beginning of our call, I was giving away a lot of stuff for free for probably two decades. For two decades, I was giving away my services for free. I was volunteering and voluntarily going out there and working for free for businesses that were making lots of money because of what I was helping them do. And um and it came right down to it that I kept telling my kids, like, look at this person, like this person did this and this person did this, but we didn't know any of them firsthand. It was all second and third hand stories about people succeeding. And I realized that I wasn't showing them how to do it myself. Mm. And it was in that moment that I was like, you know what, I've got to do this. I've got to stand up and pursue my dreams and show them that it's possible. And because I've done that, um, it was so cool. I actually, I feel like this is one of my biggest wins from this last week. I did my live on my personal Facebook profile and my 14 year old daughter was watching it. She's with grandma right now. She was watching the video and she was like, oh my gosh, mom, I resonated so much with your video. I went to church with grandma and the youth pastor was saying this and 
And she's like, and he was wrong because this is what you said in your video. And that's exactly how I felt and blah, blah, blah. And so um, it was just really cool that now I'm not just sewing into the lives of random strangers or clients that I work with or whatever. I'm actually helping my kids to realize what's possible. My daughter is learning copywriting. My son is learning video editing. I have another daughter who wants to learn how to build out things on Canva. And it's just like I'm actually inspiring them to learn those higher level skills now. It's incredibly wonderful. And uh, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing uh, your personal struggle so openly, because I, I think it's a great lesson for everyone. Uh, you know, I, I think anybody looking at you would go, oh, look, she's an attractive young woman. She's well put together. She's surrounded by hearts on her background. And, you know, we, we don't when we're speaking to prospects, we don't usually think, I wonder what's behind that. And I wonder what that person is going through. And uh, I, I always suggest that people remember that Everybody that you're trying to work with, everybody that you're trying to sell to, they've got wives and husbands and kids and dogs or boyfriends or girlfriends and problems. And, and that we, you know, it, it's truly an overused word, but overused for a reason. We need to be selling with empathy, uh, whether online or any or, or in the real world. If we're not understanding that everybody's going through, pardon my friend, shit each and every day, that we may put on this outside face that's, oh, everything's perfect, life is wonderful. Uh, like I, I want to rip my eyeballs out right now because uh, I, I have spring allergies, but uh, but nobody wants to hear about that. But I think it's useful to realize that everybody is going through stuff. And when we when we open up, really open up our hearts to people, I, I don't mean to be, you know, uh, uh, woo woo about this. But when we when we react, when we interact with people on a human level and get to know them, that's when people really get that what you call the, the no like and trust factor. And that's when we have people who turn themselves into that 15 percent. Am I on the money with this? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know who the Facebook user was that asked this question. I would love it if you're still watching, um, post your name, <laughs> like just, I know you didn't do the stream yard thing, but post your name, let us know it was you. Um, but one of the other things, if, if it's cool, I'll just touch on something real small that people could do to help resonate with their audience. We talk about this one, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So it, because you were the one person who asked a question, I'd love to just touch a little bit deeper on that. So one big thing that you can do, no matter what social platform you're on, is the the actual profile picture that you that you utilize. Um, get a really great headshot. Like you see me getting closer to the camera right now. Get a really great headshot. Make sure you're facing the camera straight on. Don't turn to the side because this kind of feels Donald, Donald Levine. What's up, man? <laughs> so... Um, Make sure you're not turned to the side because it makes it feel like you're nervous or trying to hide something. Um, this is all about body language. It's all about the psychology behind stuff. And I love I love the psychology behind things. Um, make sure that you don't have hands clasped or arms crossed because that energy is felt and it's it's a universal language. But a good shot, head on, smile with teeth and open eyes to where people can actually connect and make eye contact with you because people are taking their phone or their iPad or whatever, they're taking it into some of the most intimate places in their houses, like into their bed at night when they're laying down and going to sleep. They're taking you into the bathroom sometimes. They're going, like when they're getting ready in the morning, they're sitting there and connecting with you possibly. Um, even on Messenger, that your profile image is what pops up and it sets the tone for the entire conversation. So if you will do this one thing, it's gonna be a big booster for how you can connect and resonate with people. 
great. Yeah, uh, Don Don says he connected with you on. Uh, he's looking to connect on LinkedIn so that you can see his picture at any time. Uh, Don, I'll talk to you later on. Don is a, a recruiter. He owns his own recruiting agency. Very handsome gentleman, by the way. So you'll like it when you see his picture. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get your name showing up on Facebook. You just have to connect it to Streamyard. It's real easy. We'll we'll talk about that offline. Um, let's see. Uh, as usual, I've got 75 more questions and we've got 13 minutes left. So I, I know you talk a lot about the algorithm and that's that's a great word. And I'm not sure that everybody understands what it is, but you're, we're always looking to, uh, I, I, I almost hesitated. We want to take advantage of the algorithm, right? So can you talk a little bit about what is the algorithm and how does somebody uh, use that in, in a group? Um, okay, so we can talk about it in a group in general, or we could just talk about it um, in general online and how it's built. Um, I'm great with the Facebook algorithm. If you want to know LinkedIn algorithm, I am not your girl. Um, I do have a friend that I'm partnered with inside of our Facebook group, which is Leader Forge. And in that group, he's like really big on LinkedIn. He knows all about the best practices and everything on LinkedIn. And he even wrote a book about it. So he is like the LinkedIn person. I'm the Facebook person. Um, I also know a little bit about Instagram just because Instagram is owned by Facebook. But um, that being said, when it comes to platforms, if you serve an audience that is B2B or B2C, Facebook is going to be one of the best places to go because there's 2.8 billion people on Facebook. And so they also are sinking a ton of money into making Facebook a great platform for the end user because it's mutually beneficial. So it's not just all they're wanting to make money. They realize that they have to give great value to be able to make money. And that's why some of the best companies out there, people will look at them and say, you know, they're greedy or they're crooks or whatever, but there's no way that they would have made so much money unless they were providing great value. So, um, sorry, my phone just started ringing. <laughs> turning that over, putting it off to the side. Um, when you go onto Facebook and you're looking at the algorithm, one of the things that I get a lot of people complaining about on Facebook is they're like, oh, I keep seeing all these negative posts and things keep popping up and everyone's so negative online. But I'm gonna tell you right now, my Facebook newsfeed is not negative at all. And the reason is, is because you actually have the ability to shape your newsfeed for you. And so um, there's this beautiful thing, the little three dots up at the top of any post. If you click on a post, the algorithm thinks, because it's a computer, it's not a person, the algorithm thinks that that's something that you want to see. So it shows you more of that in the future. So say you click on something because it was triggering for you, it made you a little upset, and you spent any amount of time on it, the algorithm's like, cool, this person likes to see this stuff, I'm going to show them more of it but the algorithm was built for you. And they have this cool mechanism where you can go click the little three dots up at the top and you can choose to hide that kind of content. So whether you choose to hide the person, and I'm still friends with people that, you know, I love, but I don't like the stuff they post on Facebook. So I hide them and I'll periodically go in and check in on them. But like, I don't follow their stuff on Facebook. I choose to hide them. Um, there's different pages, there's different profiles. And you know, don't think that because I haven't engaged with your content recently, if you're one of my friends, don't think that I am hiding you necessarily. Um, I'm friends with more than 3000 people on Facebook. It is really hard to keep up. <laughs> but that being said, the algorithm is built for you. So when you go inside your Facebook group, um, one of the easiest ways to actually boost some, boost some engagement, you can do this inside your Facebook group. You can do this in any Facebook group. I actually have a whole training on how to best leverage this, but it's um, what I call viral questions. And this is something that you guys could go do today. And so a viral style question is not going to be, how's your business going? That's like one of the like slimiest things you can enter into a conversation and say is, how's your business going? Because instantly people think that you're going to try and sell them. 
So you don't want to ask questions that are like that. You want to ask a question that's more like, you know, in seven words or less, describe who you serve and how you help them. And people love that because it's like a challenge. Um, I think I, I actually have an entire swipe file with more than 117 different, different, um, different, sorry, different viral questions. I was pulling it open real quick. I could actually, I save, when I see a really great one, I save it all the time. So I can give you guys a couple examples right here. Sure. Okay. Um, here's one that somebody just posted the other day. Has social media made your life better? Why or why not? Midweek check-in, who's kicking ass and who's not? <laughs> um, in seven words or less, what problem do you solve for your clients? Going to the U.S. this summer, where should I visit? What's your relationship with coffee? <laughs> you have three seconds to get your prospect's attention. What do you say? Um, what do you do for work? Like little things like that. It's just basically like conversation openers. So it, it's like, imagine you're going to a networking event or you're going to a bar, you're meeting somebody for the first time. You wouldn't jump in and say, you know, how's your business going? You know, or, you know, oh, well, what kind of business do you need? Or, or what kind of, what kind of struggles do you have in your business? You wouldn't immediately dive into all of that when you're meeting somebody for the first time. That would be so weird and awkward in person. Treat your relationships online in the exact same way. You can, and if you're really good with conversation and you're really good with opening up to people and getting them to connect with you, um, I'm sorry, I just started thinking about in messenger conversations and I wanted to dive into that. And I was like, no, we're gonna stay on point. <laughs> if you're really good with the way that you connect with people, you can actually take that conversation to a sale much faster if you will actually connect with them first. And so building out those viral questions, you could go try that today, go into any kind of group today, ask a viral question, make sure what makes a question viral. And I talk about this a little bit in my book. I talk about this a lot more in my training and how to leverage it, but what, what makes the question viral is that people can answer it really quick. Like it's, it's really low maintenance. So there's even like a binary style where you say um, salmon is the best. Yes or no. Like, so there you're going to have, that's going to be kind of triggering because a lot of people don't like fish or something like that. So some people are going to be like, no, it's the worst. Some people are going to be like, yes, I love salmon. Um, but see, it's a yes or no. So all they have to do is come down and put a Y or an N or a yes or a no. It's, it's something where they can easily comment very, very quickly. And it doesn't take a lot of brain power to do it because you're trying to get them to stop their scroll and to interrupt whatever they're doing to engage with you. So it needs to be something that's low pressure, low maintenance, and something that's really simple for them to do. Got it. Wow. Okay. Um, you, you, you mentioned networking a few moments ago, and you mentioned it a little bit before. What, what is intentional networking? You, you, you specifically say intentional networking. What, what, how do you describe that? And how can people uh, be more intentional in their networking? I actually, it's very funny. I talked about this um, a little bit yesterday inside of our Facebook group. We were talking about um, specifically about collaborations and intentionally collaborating with people and what are the best ways to collaborate. But um, as far as networking goes and being intentional with it, it's like if you just network with every random person out there, again, it's like that whole spaghetti thing. And I, I mean, honestly, I don't even think that that spaghetti phrase means what we think it means because the only time I've ever thought about throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks is, is the spaghetti done yet? <laughs> That's the only reason. So I'm trying to, trying to understand where we got that phrase from. But but when you're trying so many different things and you're talking to so many different people and it's possible that they're not even your avatar, um, you're going to have a lot harder time 
connecting with the people who can actually get you to the result that you want. If you will strategically go out and say, I need to find people who X. And um, I do thinking time every single day. I don't know if you guys do that. Um, if you don't, you should take thinking time every single day. And every time you come up with a really good question that makes you think in a new way, write it down so you have that for your thinking time later. But like, who do I need to connect with to achieve this result? So once you set the goal, once you set the result for yourself, once you have that vision, figuring out who's going to be able to help you with that. Like what kind of people, what kind of businesses, what kind of niches, what kind of coaches, what kind of team members, all those different kind of questions. If you will strategically think about like, if I'm going to be solving this problem in my business, what kind of team member do I need to be able to help me with that? What do I love to do? What do I hate to do that? I'd like to have that position filled. You're going to be able to find that person a lot easier. You're going to be able to strategically ask for that person. Um, when I, when I used to work in network marketing, we used to do it like this, where it's like sometimes we'd go and talk to a person and, um, and we'd say, you know, because um, there were so many different products that the company that I worked with offered. We'd say, do you know anyone who's struggling with heart disease? Okay, that's a lot more strategic and intentional than do you know someone who's trying to get healthier? Um, the, this is one of the tendencies that I see with a lot of people who are either in sales or marketing in general is that they'll be extremely vague and they'll try to, I call it a guru offer when you're doing something that's vague and generic that'll serve it's one size fits all and it fits lots of people. Um, that's typically going to be a lower ticket offer and it's going to be something smaller and it's going to be maybe an info product or a book or, or some kind of small service or some kind of small software or whatever, that's going to be your guru offer. It's going to be the vague and generic one. But when you are more strategic with the way that you engage and network with people and you say, do you know anybody who does X and it gets very specific, then you actually open up the door to where now you've asked all of the same people, maybe five to 10 people, you asked them all, do you know anyone who has heart disease? You can come back the next week and say, do you know anyone who struggles with asthma? And you could go back to the exact same people because you were very strategic and intentional with your first question. You can go back to the same person and ask again. Um, and you can do that with your opt-in offers. I don't know if everyone has opt-in offers or not. I give away some freebies and stuff for my audience, but I can go to one person and say, hey, have you seen my five Facebook groups for business PDF? And then next week I can come back and I'm like, hey, have you read not a sales book yet? Same person. I can come back to the same person as long as I'm strategic and intentional with what I'm asking about. Got it. So it's more focused rather than scattershot. Yeah, absolutely. Understood. And that whole spaghetti at the wall thing, it's an old sales thing. Uh, throw enough SH blank T at the wall, see if it sticks, which look, it, to a certain extent, sales is a numbers game. You've got to be speaking to more people rather than less if you're going to meet the right ones. Uh, but it, that's 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 where you start, at least in selling. You've got to be speaking to enough people. But then what you really want to do over time is how do we get that focus to really the right people, not just enough people and improve yourself so that you can help more people choose to do business with you. Um, we've really run out of time. Um, I'm going to share my screen if I can find. Uh, let's see. Still yeah. getting you. Still getting you. Oh, share screen. OK. So I'm having a problem with that one. Uh, how can people reach you, Sierra, if they would like to get in touch with you uh, and take you up on any offers or find out more about uh, growing and engaging and selling on Facebook? 
Yeah. So um, the best way is going to be to connect with me on Facebook. Right now, my friends list is not maxed out on Facebook, so people can still add me as a friend. Probably won't be that way for much longer. Um, I added more than 2,500 friends over this last year. I'll probably continue to add more on Facebook. But um, but that being said, you guys can connect with me on Facebook. We also have a group called Leader Forge. That's L-E-A-D-E-R. F O R G because we're, because we're forging leaders. Yeah, there we go. There we go. So, um, you see up at the top, join our Facebook group. That's leader forge. Um, you can add me as a friend on Facebook. You can also follow my business on Facebook. We're not doing a whole lot on our Facebook page, but we are going to start in the next few months putting out like fresh new information as Facebook makes changes. I'm going to go live and share about it and, um, and bring that information on our Sierra Lit consulting page. So just like reporting on the updates and changes and how it affects you and how you can use it to leverage your business better. And then um, Dawn already went to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you guys can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm not quite as active on LinkedIn as I am on Facebook, obviously, since I'm the Facebook person, but you guys are more than welcome to connect with me there. And um, you can get my book on Amazon, or if you'd like a free PDF copy, uh, just reach out to me and I'll make sure that you're able to get that. That is terrific. And you are fantastic. Thank you, Sierra, so much. Steve Kent says, great discussion. Thank you, Sierra Lueck. Uh, and I thank you, Sarah Lewick. You are a dial and one, uh, just a pleasure to be with. Uh, thank you for sharing your brilliance so generously. Any last words of wisdom for everybody? Um, yeah. If you'll notice the, the hearts, I was going to say stars. If you'll notice the hearts behind my head, uh, you'll see it's kind of like a rainbow. Um, I, one of the biggest things that I always tell my kids and that I tell all of my clients is that the darkest storms are always followed by the brightest rainbow. So if you're going through anything right now that's tough for you um, or you're struggling through anything, know that the obstacle is the way and that when you make it through to the other side, there's a big rainbow waiting for you. So I actually, when I get struggles and when I get attacks or what feels like an attack, I realize that there's something really great coming my way. And so get excited about it and know that that rainbow is coming. Brilliant. Breakdowns are often followed by breakthroughs. I love that. And as my coach always says, embrace the hard. Perfect. So thank you again, Phil Danielle. Good to see you today. And he says, thanks, Sierra. And I thank you very much as always. And as I end all of these, please guys remember sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there and make sales happen. Thank you, Sierra. And thanks everyone. Bye now.